0: Hello, listeners. This is just a quick note before the show starts. We ran into some technical difficulties in preparing for this episode, so we're using slightly different equipment than usual. This means that you'll hear some whining from our new dog, Jack, as well as some dogs drinking water. There will be some snoring from Allie's French bulldog, Cipher, and Herbie will decide at one point that he wants to play with this squeak toy. Um, We're working out the kinks as we go along, and all this is kind of to just say um, we're constantly trying new things in an attempt to improve this show. So this will be a slightly different audio format than many of our other episodes, but we hope you enjoy it nonetheless. Now, back to the show. Hello, listeners. Welcome to or back to another episode of Black Sheep and Bad Apples. This is a podcast where I, your host, Lauren O'Brien, look at some history to find a little bit of context for uh, what's happening today. And i like to read a story from history to my friends. And today's friends are going to be Allie and Kelly Posner. I was going to say your last name, Allie, but I actually don't remember it. So Allie Love. Here we
1: go.
0: Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. How are you? I'm doing great. Kelly, you... Tonight's episode is going to be the war on women. And uh, you weren't just a friend of mine. You're uh, married.
2: Right? Me.
0: Mm. Yeah, you're married to me. Mm. So
2: So I experience it every day, yeah. basically. Yeah,
0: so you experience yeah. exactly what we're going to talk about, too. And uh, so but before we start, how are you guys feeling? Lovely. Pretty-
2: a little nervous. A little nervous. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. No need to be nervous. I'm gonna do most of the talking anyway, so it's <laughs> not gonna be a big deal. So, how do you guys feel about um, women
1: being one in general, or uh, oh, just
0: women as a concept? Is like a <gasps> feeling being women.
1: Where to begin? It's pretty cool, right? Well, maybe a
2: yes. <laughs> I mean, Before we only. I
1: that question. Yes, it is
2: pretty cool. We only birth life and. Yeah. give life to everything so
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. we only generate life-giving cells every 28 days yeah. with the full of the moon you know we sure. create magic and where we go you know so <laughs> it's pretty rad
0: i was also reading somewhere that uh, that like a woman and well actually people aren't as old as their birthday because like a week before their mother's birth uh, their mom created the egg cells that she had forever so you're technically as old as your mother's birthday Which I thought was a pretty cool concept. Interesting. really gets into that kind of like miracle of life, I think.
2: And really, I mean, your mother's mother and your, you know, your grandma, your Mm -hmm. great-grandma, all those people, all those eggs were there Mm. before, so we could even be older than that. Millions of years. Yeah, well, and
0: I was listening to some person online and they were like, it's actually really interesting if you think about it because life never starts. Life has started and has existed since. Yes. And I was like, wow, that's really poetic. So how do you guys feel about feminism? This is all kind of a preamble to what we're getting to. Got a real Defi-
1: Defined as equality of women? Yeah, exactly that. Glory.
0: Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool, I think so too. Do you have any thoughts?
2: I'm on board with it. Yeah? Um,
0: yeah. You know. Think women should be equal? Absolutely. I think it's pretty good pretty good hill to die on myself.
2: I think it's yeah. a great hill to die it's on. A great hill to die Good on. day to die
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> women's
1: being equal. Uh, yes.
0: So uh, what do you guys feel about a government ruled by religious radicals who seek to make decisions for
1: everyone who isn't in their religion? I mean, it'd be sweet to just kind of, you know, let ladies handle things, no, yeah. especially when it comes to our bodies right. and
2: such. Not quite as cool as women themselves. Uh, but,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know.
0: Concept of fascism, not as cool as feminism. Yeah, that's no, Kelly's no, official no, stance.
2: That's, hard, that's, you know. a,
0: that's a hard line. We'll see how you feel at the end of this, because maybe, maybe fascism is cool. Right. Recently in the United States, as well as other countries, uh, they, they've they seen a lot of increase or perhaps it's always been kind of a steady hum of like p- biblical base law we think about like mm-hmm. ISIS we think about like the Taliban we think about like there's all sorts of like religious groups that are constantly rising up and like There's currently a lot of legal fuckery uh, from the Christian right months, with Roe v. Wade having been nixed in the Supreme Court. Idaho has passed a near-total abortion ban, Um, and there's been much said on the subject of mifepristone, a abortion medication. And these are just a few of the many, many battles that have made up the war on women. So, let's start with reproductive access. So I think that's the kind of one that's here today that we kind of have to to look into. And um, there are kind of generally two sides to this story. One of them thinks that women should be allowed access to abortion and you know reproductive health care. And the other side thinks that abortion is murder because God creates things. Um, and it's obviously more complicated than that, but not really, as we're right. going to get into. Um, perhaps the most frustrating part of this is kind of the. Uh, there's like a two sided thing going on, and people think that these two sides have equal weight. And the both sides approach, by its very na- nature, is kind of fallible because it addresses the issue, f- like both of these issues, from a position that assumes that both are like valid, both are reasonable, and of sound logic. Um, but this isn't a two sided issue. Women's healthcare is not a two sided issue. Um, one side, often labeled pro-choice, is the right for women to access uh, education and healthcare to make informed decisions about their own reproductive organs. In other words, access to healthcare designed for people with uteruses, which I think is pretty cool. Um, you know, the human body is a complicated organism and needs specific kind of doctors for specific kinds of things, like dentists for teeth and cardiologists for hearts and stuff, and so. It, it seems like we would have something similar for women and experts in the reproductive health advocate field uh, they, they, they kind of feel it the same way um, and if we as a society are like raise children that are to be given the best possible lives you know, we, we have to at some point teach them about their bodies you know And uh, so as I said, there's two sides of the coin, allegedly. So let's kind of look at what one side thinks. In their words, um, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, or ACOG, writes, quote, excellence in women's health care is an essential element of long-term physical, intellectual, social, and economic well-being of any society. ACOG recognizes that access to comprehensive reproductive health care services is essential to women's health and well-being. Women should have access to scientifically-based health care. Prohibitions on essential care that are based on religious or other non-scientific grounds can jeopardize women's health and safety, End quote. So that seems pretty reasonable, you know? We give, I don't know, people who have uteruses access to, like, uterus health care. That kind of makes sense, you know?
2: We trust people to know what's best for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like doctors too. Did you have a about <laughs> 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 is,
1: that, is that like a uh, we trust doctors across the board here? Or I mean,
0: no? there's certainly something to be said about like the pharmaceutical industry and the way that they hold sway. But as a general statement, like, I mean, specifically with women, they should probably have access to healthcare that that minds their genitals.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah. Which would be lovely to have, you know?
0: Yeah, it just healthcare in general would be a cool thing for all Americans to have. Wouldn't
1: that be <laughs> lovely?
0: And maybe it's better to say quality healthcare because quality. Yeah, just watch. Uh, never mind. Doesn't matter. Um. <laughs> Uh, so obviously female reproductive organs are a part of women's bodies and women, this might surprise you, are like men in that they need health care. So that's shocking. We're learning Whoop. things on this podcast. Um, yeah. And again, so maybe they need a specialized form of medicine,
1: Perhaps you know, and
0: so th- that's one side, the side that's like, Hey, maybe women need medicine too. Right. That's one side. The other, or you know, it seeks to maximize the potential for women to just kind of have freedom to, to make their own choices. And summed up, it's the, the, it's the women need access to health care and should have it side. Um, and the other, the other argument um, from the pro life movement um, can be summed up more or less succinctly by checking in on Focus on the Family's website. Do you guys know about Focus on the Family?
1: Not at all. No. Yeah. This is a learning experience. Okay. Well, it was. Drop it on
0: us. It was kind of a it, was a, it wasn't a TV show, it was more like commercials that weren't selling you anything, um, and many people in the 90s may recognize them, you know, from being, again, sort of commercials on TV, um, while they have always had like an outwardly hallmarkish public face, they've also been accused of publishing pseudo-scientific publications which is an argument made by a Quarterly Review of, bio, uh, of Biological in their article, Irreducible Incoherence and Intelligent Design, A Look into the Conceptual Toolbox of pseudoscience. Um, and so th- there, was this, there was this guy who sat at a desk uh, and usually kind of spoke, um, or it was like pictures of like children playing and stuff, and, and basically the commercials were like, talk to your family about how to think. Thinking is good, and children have thoughts, and it will bond you with your child. This is just another way for you to focus on the family, and that was it. That would be the entire commercial, and so it's just like these really kind of wholesome things that you know. The, is
1: this interesting? This yeah. is like the before the like before you know.
0: Yeah, it kind of was like alongside it actually. Okay. Yeah. So anyway,
1: dueling. Um, you know, little gems of wisdom.
0: Yeah. Um this one was really Christian though. Um, but they okay. kinda they kinda just hid that a little bit away.
1: Um,
0: they also used to run a pray away the gay ministry named Love One whoa. Out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Nah, was, <laughs> no thank you. By the way, Love One Out is spelled one is W O N. So like one beat being out I don't know.
2: So like pro life unless you're gay.
0: Well, no, because you can still be alive. And a lot of these camps actually think that you can still be gay, you just can't act on it. So you can get married and have kids and stuff like that. It's fine for you to be a former gay. You know, you're reformed now, so.
2: Just repress yourself and forget all about it. Yeah, I do not agree.
0: Yeah, well, you don't understand pseudoscience.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just listen there's more coming there's, there's more coming, there's more coming. <laughs> coming. coming. Um,
1: S- staunch on the, uh, <laughs> uh,
2: the gay away. staunch
1: I'm sorry they
0: advocate no. for state sponsored school prayer so that's pretty cool um, and lobby against LGBTQ plus folks uh, and especially their ability to marry adopt and prevent so Focus on the family have made it very clear that God is first in their lives, and as such, biblical law should be applied to government and used to prevent women from getting an abortion. Um, They are extremely clear that the reason for their stance on abortion is because it inherently rejects the belief of God as the owner of all people. Focus on the family's position to be clear is that biblical law should be used to dictate the laws of the United States when it comes to women and their parts. This is from their website. Quote, if abortion is needed to bring the death of a child, that child is considered to be living. If living, the child had to have received that gift from God, the giver of all life, and God is actively sustaining that new life in his goodness, even in the secret of the womb, as Psalm 139 teaches, abortion is to be condemned because it rejects the goodness and sovereignty of God." Quote. So they're literally like, God makes stuff. That's why no abortions, guys. No abortions. And so, instead of an abortion clinic, they have uh, they, they try to intercept women on their way to get abortions to get them to go to one of, quote, more than 2,500 pro-life pregnancy centers, wow. end quote, where they can uh, give birth and let the child be adopted, which I assume is only to, like, Christian parents, because that's, that's kind of, like, what focused on the family. Keep just, it in the family. Does, yeah. And so, this side of the story entirely ignores the fact that, like, pr- like. Pregnant people don't want to be pregnant. Sometimes um, they also kind of ignore cases of rape and incest, and it ignores complicate... like pregnancy. Even when it goes well, is still a pretty complicated thing, you know. And so, uh,
1: did I just could just back up real quick to the ignoring of incest? I just want to make sure that was a clear statement. There. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, because like if you get an abortion, like God, God's the doer of all things. He
1: basically it was meant to be it doesn't matter yeah so just wanted to just you know yeah have you repeat that it's a (laughs) (laughs) pretty incestual pregnancy yeah yeah it's
0: god's gift it's it's god's gift well no babies are god's gift which is cool (laughs) yeah and so uh you know the perspective of you know the Pro reproductive rights groups is like when it's boiled down to it's an it's an autonomy issue. Um and uterine havers want the ability to access this form of medical care that doesn't apply to roughly fifty percent of our society, men. So fifty percent of our population, men, get to have a vote over access to health care that only affects the other half, women. So Congress is a cool thing to have. It's really neat.
2: Cool Which thing. is predominantly men.
0: Yeah. Making Cominently choices for about women,
1: women,
2: and
0: you know, gay people and trans folks, and
1: A everybody lot of that, life offerings that they have mm-hmm. you no know, experience living.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I actually think, you know, I I hinted some of the sarcasm that you're dropping there, and I think that the older our leaders, the better.
1: Ooh, the dinosaurs.
2: Yeah, because yeah, the sooner they'll die. I mean. Well, no. <laughs>
0: Because it's just like, <laughs> oh, watching Joe Biden's speech. You can feel the captivating, sleepy energy that he has to really bring, you know, br- really rouse the, the American citizenry into into unity, you know. So it's, it's again, I think the older the better. <laughs> <laughs> so as I said, you know, the both sides of this issue, yes. uh, it tends to present the issue as equally valid, mm-hmm. um, just kind of opposed to each other. Um, but there isn't symmetry there. It's bullshit. <laughs> The ability for women to have access to reproductive health care is not equally weighted against a biblical way to live. You can't be like, God said, so this is the way that we're doing it. Um, so I wanted to take these three episodes to kind of explore the uh, a little bit of mankind's history uh, to the in, in relationship to the often overlooked and very much intentionally womankind history. Um, and just kind of see how they've been systematically oppressed or if that's true because you'll commonly hear i just realized this chair is really squeaky um but you'll come in here like right-wing weirdos be like feminism is a disease and so i was like all right well what has feminism done like what what were the conditions before and and has it really done anyone for anyone or anything for anyone so that's kind of what we're doing today
2: on oh, the old version of feminism versus new school feminism is also very different.
0: Yeah and there are like certain like I think there's three waves of feminism now that have occurred. I'm not very familiar with all of them. I was kind of just looking more into like what oppression looked like for women so we are going to skip over a little bit of that today. But we are talking about feminism icons. Um, And I want to discuss to start our discussion on the war on women today Um, But looking at coverture, do you guys know what coverture is? Yeah. Yeah. Coverture is is a word some people may know a little about. It's an old English word with roots meaning literally to cover. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was an idea that a marriage, and thus a family, uh, were best kind of ran like a ship with a captain, right? Uh, As the head of the household, the man would be in full control over the household's assets. Coverture was... and. to kind of a lesser degree still is, um, it's the amalgamation of all traditions and cultures and laws uh, which made women legally represented by their fathers and their husbands in manners relating to business, possessions, inheritance, and childbearings. You know, because a man wants to, to, uh, if only men can inherit stuff, women, like in a marriage, are only a technical step between them and having a boy. So we could just skip right over women is kind of the way that they, they looked at it. Which is cool, um, as Miriam webster describes it, coverture is quote the status of a woman uh, the status a woman acquires upon marriage under common law end, uh, end quote and when we dig a little deeper we can find that this was a system by which women had no independent legal existence of their own they weren't quite property but they weren't exactly not property <laughs> it kind of depends on how poor you were really. <laughs> Coverture looked at women as essentially property of first her father and then her husband. This happened by way of the father essentially passing legal possession and custody of that woman and her property to her new husband via a legal contract. These contracts were called marriage. Sounds pretty, pretty familiar, I think, to everyone here um from an article in michigan law review quote once in the era of coverture the notion that husbands and wives were equal partners in marriage seemed outlandish and unnatural (laughs) during coverture a married woman had no legal persona she could not sue or be sued she could not form contracts and she could not buy sell her own property apart from her husband gender hierarchy separate spheres and marital unity defined coverture and its rules end quote so like
1: a great error to be a vigilante <laughs> yeah, for real <laughs> you can't catch me
0: for sure I'm getting the fuck out of here <laughs> and to just
1: <laughs> that sounds fabulous
0: doesn't it sound like the dream life too it's I mean kind of, you don't get to make any decisions your husband gets to tell you where to go and like it's not a sovereign being yeah you know, for you sure get to,
1: you know well fall in line
0: at the end of this episode we're gonna I'm not gonna spoil it actually
2: well, when God sure. chooses for you, mm-hmm. I mean, really, what? <laughs> you
0: got to serve and obey the Lord, you know?
2: <laughs> what do you need more than that?
0: <laughs> so to press our point just a little bit more, that same article, uh, it cites Sir William Blackstone, writing in 1765. So he's writing in the year 1765, quote, By marriage, the husband and wife are one person-in-law. That is, the very being or legal existence of the woman is suspended during the marriage. Or at least is incorporated and consolidated into that of the husband, under whose wing, protection, and cover she performed everything, and is therefore called in our uh, law French a femme couvert. So, like, yeah, women were just like legally not people. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And by cool, obviously, I'm being sarcastic. It's,
1: of course. Yeah, cool. Again. Fascinating.
0: Yeah, and women were like people but they weren't P- I think it's better to look at them as kind of like um like corporations, right? Mm. So
1: property if you will.
0: Yeah, pro- like I'm Pepsi and <laughs> Kelly, my wife, is Monster. Me, Pepsi Corporation owns Monster and so all the money gets funneled up to me. But we're distinct still, but we're not. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
2: But I do all the work.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: And then you get the profits.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> Why would it not be that way? I own you, but not really. We're partners. (laughs) That's kind of actually, yeah, what it's like, really. And as comfortable, uncomfortable as it is to say aloud, this also meant that a woman's body was also her husband's property. If a woman worked, the value she created was not her own, but that of her husband, and also had legal custody of any children produced in the marriage, not the person who birthed them. And a husband's, quote, had absolute right to sexual access. Within marriage, a wife's consent was implied, so under the law, all sex-related activities, including rape, was legitimate. Oh. His total mastery of his fellow human being stopped short, but just short, of death. Of course, a man wasn't allowed to beat his wife to death, but he could beat her, end quote. cringe <laughs> It's so
1: bad. Cringe worthy.
0: Well, and that's why for me it does feel kind of like a a better form of kind of slavery, where, like, at least you get to eat and, like, be comfortable and stuff, but it, like, this is very much a transactional economic way of, of looking at relationships. But, Oof. Yeah, and it's it's also kind of an interesting take because, you know, people at this time are like, well, what happens behind closed doors is up to them. You just can't kill her. But at the same time, they're like hanging people for being gay behind closed doors. I don't know. It's a weird moral line, I guess, is what I'm saying.
1: Interesting times.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's also interesting because, uh, as I said, they weren't really like property. Um, and some of these like some of these marriages kind of sounded like they were more hostage situations like um but that line that i just quoted his total mastery of his fellow human being like that to me is one of those things that really like they put that into law you know what i mean so anyway we're actually going to go back to colonial times now um because it we got to look at the puritans Mm. um because it's kind of funny um and the Puritans basically thought the Church of England was too corrupt and by corrupt they meant Catholic. Um, the Church of England itself had separated from the Catholic Church so that the king could divorce his wife so he could fuck other women and have a boy heir. So that's again just kind of a repeating theme we're going to see, see yeah. here. Um, now since he couldn't you know, pass his possessions to his female heirs he needed the male. Um, and. He had become the king of the Church of England and promised the people that the church would remain largely Catholic, um, despite severing ties with, with the Catholic Church at the time. So, uh, after attempting to purify the Church of England and failing, the Puritans left England to establish the Plymouth Colony so that they could do their own form of Christianity. Um, in colonial America, married women had an arduous job. They had all the responsibilities uh, we currently think of for those times, such as like tending fires, preparing meals, cleaning, making, or repairing clothes, and being demure and chaste, which was very important. Um, they also had to take care of animals, tend a kitchen garden, make various items to use or sell, and when they gave birth, had they had to do that all with a child. Um, and that is, until, you know, the child grew up and then she could have another baby and then that child could help with the baby and then so on and so forth. So again, it's the perfect system. Um, And it was generally helpful for the men to have children as it helped them work by extension from a dissertation entitled Sexual Practice and Fantasy in Colonial America in the Early Republic. Uh, Quote, men generally in their role as breadwinners profited from the procreative sexual norms of the day. Agricultural economies demanded children. End quote. So that's cool again we're we're building a new nation you know we got to have soldiers for God so we got to knock them out of the park <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what I was saying earlier it honestly does sound like such a transactional like I only technically have to use the uh, Apple store to buy this thing be like it, there's there's like a middle women are the middle man between men having men you know what I mean it's such a weird I don't know
1: without any of the honor yeah or respect
0: yeah Such a weird kind of feeling that they have. (laughs) And one good thing, I guess, like, if we could glean any, like, silver lining from any of this, is that uh, women had protections that kept men from neglecting them. So that is pretty cool. You could just marry someone and then fucking ignore them. Um, If the women were fortunate enough to have some level of wealth, the doctrine of necessities gave women the right to live at the same financial status as their husbands. So, if he had a nice house and was like driving a horse drawn Lamborghini, you know what I mean? Mm. You could, uh, you, know, you know, while the woman was driving a little shanty or living in a shanty, driving a little Ford donkey or whatever, right. you, you could find some equalized, some way to equalize that a little bit. Um, by the way, listeners, I think we forgot to mention you're going to hear a snoring dog in the background.
1: I, I apologize. That is my Harbor Seal, a.k.a. Cypher, yeah. the uh, geriatric. Yeah. Function.
0: so you might hear some dogs (laughs) wiggling around in the background um and yeah and this was because the husband was responsible for providing like a certain kind of of lifestyle for a woman when she got married especially if she hadn't especially if she had lived like that before you know and because a lot of this what we're talking about is more like rule specific to like kings and queens and nobles and people who have like I, I don't know, large businesses that they want to keep wealthy and stuff. So a lot of this is kind of, I don't know, it's it's very apparent that the men are off fucking other women constantly. And oh, so the woman's gosh. like, the woman's like, I gotta, you can't just leave me in this fuck shack, you know. Give, give me something nice. You know? right? I'm your wife. <laughs> um. <laughs>
1: just leave me in this fuck shack.
0: Yeah and so you know the husband was
1: it's
0: <laughs> 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 so honestly like a really when I read this I was like finally we get a little win in this story like oh, just a little just one. a smidge hey man yeah.
1: we'll, take, we'll take anything we can get at this point
0: yeah and so if the well, husbands
2: it sounds like they did <laughs> right, right, right
0: well check this out if that the husbands if the, <laughs> if the husbands didn't provide them with a the standard of living equal to their own women had the right to obtain that lifestyle on their husbands time yeah.
1: Oh, sick yeah. Girl. You ain't got All your right. own bank account yet. You can sleep a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Out the safe at night, huh? Oh,
0: hell yeah. I feel a little Get safe. Get in.
1: Get done in on the side.
0: <laughs> <laughs> from a, uh, a write up in the Gilder Learman Institute of American History. Quote. One rule worked to mitigate some of the worst effects of coverture. A married woman had the right to to be maintained in a manner, and I hate that term, to be maintained. Maintained.
1: Like we are a hedge.
0: Yeah, to be maintained in a manner commiserate with her husband's social status. If he refused to provide her appropriately, she could sue and win support from the courts. While waiting for the court's judgment, she was permitted to run up charges at local stores and taverns, and Andrew and her husband had to pay for them.
2: I love that. Women could go to bars?
0: (laughs) Yeah a little surprising because that's also going to be something that changes later in our episodes but yes women could go to bars I assume, it wasn't
1: you know sought as yeah holy or respectable for sure but you know it but was also
0: option. also you'd like go into the bar and see your priest at drinking so i mean so, holy and socially acceptable right. kind of colloquial things too it's like i
1: mean being a woman, our rules are different, you know. That's very true.
0: That's so, basically what these whole episodes 100%. are. 100 <laughs> And we get to that, too, at a certain yes. point. So, um, this is continuing from uh, the gilder Learman Institute. Um, judges consistently applied this rule called the Doctrine of Necessities in order to prevent men from neglecting their wives, end quote. Um, but this silver lining also is kind of a darker lining around that, uh, quote, because the courts could not stop husbands from gambling or making bad investments. Women had no protections when their husband proved irresponsible. If creditors pursued a husband for his debts, his wife was entitled to only keep the bare necessities of life. You guys want to guess what those necessities of life are? I would are?
2: love to hear. Lay it
1: on me.
0: All right. You want to guess, babe?
1: Bare
2: necessities. Taking care of the children?
0: Uh, not quite, actually. Um... The bare necessities of life were usually defined as two dresses, so she would have one to wear while the other one was being washed. Um, uh, she had cooking utensils and a bed in cool. So, you know, that's, that's a good, a fine lady. The only three things she needs.
1: You Anything know. you...
0: You to, to like
1: put around it to protect you
0: from absolutely not okay. I mean right. I'm sure some has been, some separations were more amicable but like this is the bare minimum so like I'm sure well and the reason we know about this bare minimum is probably because the courts ruled that women had to get the fuck out with just that so right. they were like they made a ruling that like alright you can't give her less than this Yes. so I imagine some women have been kicked out with just barely anything um also, in the colonial... That dog... I'm sorry. He's rocking it. Yep,
1: he is. Sawn logs? Yeah. We uh, yeah, are in the Redwoods.
0: <laughs> uh, ch- 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 in the colonial era, men could divorce their wives for cheating, but women couldn't divorce their husbands for the same offense. From that dissertation I, I read earlier. Mm-hmm. Quote, Freedoms differed dramatically from the European colonists' experience. Both indentured servants and New England Puritans, a white man found cheating on his wife could expect admonishments, possibly fines, or a night in the stocks. A woman of his standing could be flogged or divorced, effectively ending uh, her economic viability, end quote. So, that's sucks. Especially because now we're commodifying people, you know? Oh, oh yeah. And we're going to get on that later, too. Because I, I think that's the thing that bothers me the most about a lot of this, is that there's, like, an inherent value that people are trying to assign to... A commodification
1: yeah, and, of women in general.
0: Yeah, it's, of course. it's really fucking... It's fucking weird
1: to me. Yes. Well, it you know. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's weird.
0: (laughs) Um, So we're going to flip back to some good news because women could uh, divorce their husbands if he wasn't fucking them or if he wasn't fucking them right. Quote, Legal statutes permitted women (laughs) to divorce their husbands if they failed to perform their conjugal duty whether by impotency or sloth underscoring the centrality of the procreative bond and the legal encouragement Uh, of women's value as a reproductive channel. Pretty gross word. Um, Women responded positively to this. In 1689, a Plymouth Plymouth wife testified in court that her husband was always uh, unable to perform the act of generation, justifying her divorce. Uh, Contraceptive habits were grounds for divorce.
1: Bless that queen.
0: As in the case of Abigail Emery, who, in 1710, complained that her husband practiced the abominable sin of Odon. Withdrawal, because he feared the charge of children. So the students fucking pulling out, and his wife's like, "That's bullshit. We're getting a divorce."
1: Oh, snap. <laughs> I mean, maybe that was her avenue for an out.
0: <laughs> I I have no clue. I would like to be able to speak to Abigail, Emery, but she's very dead.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we're gonna be steering away from. Women's lives in relation to men, and just here in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But we can't move on without talking about virgins. Mm -hmm. And when we get back from our little break, we're going to do that.
1: Lovely. All right.
0: And we're back. We were talking about the ladies, too, right?
1: Ladies. 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 Hey.
0: Um, so we were talking about sex between man and woman during pur- puritanical times, and then we're going to kind of move over to see what the like the the ideal, the perfect woman is—a virgin. Women were and are criticized through a biblical lens in order in order that they might uphold the good name of their fathers. Women were often typecast as a character we are all familiar with, the Virgin Mary. This meant by uh, like having restraint over their feminine bodies. Uh, that, that was a good thing because, you know, they're kind of a vessel for original sin. And so, a woman who wasn't a virgin was seen as impure and immoral, and the value of women in early America was based upon their ability to reproduce. A virgin could contain her lusty and sinful feelings in order that she may, one, not embarrass her father, two, not devalue her on the property of... Uh, or the property marrying her assured, because when you married somebody, you got their shit too. Mm-hmm. Um, three, remain pure uh, in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, four, virgins are. Oh, I don't remember where my fourth one went. Bad editing. Anyway, um, virgins are usually seen as a holy, pure embodiment of the spiritual energy of Mary, who eventually became pregnant with Christ. According to Medium.com, this new obsession with virginity is very old. It began in the 1300s. Quote, Original obsession and the myth of purity are nothing new. Virginity is historically rooted in establishing paternity and entrenched in in male ownership. The popularity of virginity is often attributed to Mariology, the Roman Catholic worship of the Virgin Mary, i.e. the mother of Jesus. Mariology began flourishing in the 14th century, when Byzantine, Byzantine theologians reportedly believed that Mary, along with baby Jesus, was at the center of the cosmos. This took full social force during the Middle Ages, where, uh, when Mary was upheld as the New Eve, heavily bolstering the status of women, or at least the importance of her purity. The concept of chivalry, chivalry, for example, was established in defense of the honor of a maiden, otherwise known as a virgin, and sought to train men that would protect these fair ladies. And since Mary was the mediator between the holy and the earthly, her popularity adjusted the socially held belief that women were the source of evil. End quote. So there's a little bit of a change that goes on. Convenience. Yeah, wh- exactly. Like, the more pure you are, the less of a source of evil you are. Pretty cool. Makes sense to all of us in the room, I think. Because you know how women be. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and so you you were staying close to God, which means you weren't an evil woman. You could be a here holy being by staying within the arms of the Lord, by being sta- uh, chased until marriage, uh, which married, made a woman biblically worth marrying. Um, and as ridiculous as that may all sound, um, you could find those thoughts on display today, even in 2023. There are purity balls. (laughs)
1: Mm
0: -hmm. A purity ball is basically where teenage girls are escorted by their dads to, like, high school prom kind of things, um, and they kind of make vows to each other. Um, the daughters are dressed in nice dresses and lovely jewelry, and they attend a fancy dinner with their equally nicely dressed fathers. Um, during this purity ball, the father is, quote, vow to protect their daughter's chastity until they re- until they're married off to another man, these promises are often ac- accompanied by a ring from their father. <laughs>
1: so is this part chastity party, part yeah. kind of parading her around to there, potentially, I, you know?
0: Yeah, I think there is because these are usually like community church-led things. Right. So there is probably a level of of everyone bringing their, although I don't know if like sons can show up like single sons, anyway all that to say is it is probably a a way to like bring people together and be like my daughter is beautiful, look at her and very chaste, Yeah. look at the ring she's sworn to me and I am probably conservative so I own guns so It's, it's just a really cool and if I'm being completely honest, it's a really gross thing to do to be like a dad and to be like don't get nothing in there, all right? You hear me? Promise? Promise? Wow. It's like really, really weird. Um, continuing from that Medium article, quote, American culture openly uh, sorry, conflates sexuality with morality. As Jessica Valenti writes in her book, The Cult of Virginity, we are into idolizing virginity as a stand-in for women's morality whether or not we have sex and who we have sex with are all uh, that's valued in regards to women and girls." End quote. And so, you know, conflating sexuality and immorality has been used to keep women oppressed and obedient, and the Church has certainly helped push this. And since women were naturally imbued with evil, um, they were precluded from exercising that authority over themselves, which was often misconstrued as, like, them trying to take authority over, I don't know, say, their husband. Um, So, like, in different words, women making their own decisions in a marriage was often misconstrued as them being disobedient to their husband. Interesting. You know, so it's, it's all pretty cool, you know, purity ball. And I think that yeah, it also, ex- it also extends to like the daddy daughter relationship where like, you're grounded, stay home, you know, and this is kind of like the ideal relationship to all, all of like people who believe the stuff that they think about, you know, they're like, I want her to be quiet, and only fuck me, and to stay home, and to just not bother me, unless I want her to bother me. And it's good. It's good that women have so much to overcome, and people are like, Ah, they're fine. Don't worry about it. Not a bit. In different words, uh, yeah, being indifferent to her husband, and many preachers would cite Timothy 2.12 as the reason women should remain demure, obedient, and quiet. Quote, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. End quote. And we're going to circle back to that in part two. Lovely. So we've talked a little bit about what like marriage was slash is and how it's meant to be. It's almost literal legal possession and ownership. We've talked about how women are valued in the marriage market based upon class and morals and virginity and all that kind of shit. Uh, but we've kind of only discussed women in relation to men. So now I'd like to take you know just take the time out of this to talk about women and so this is uh you know our little shout out to beyonce about um all the single ladies uh single women at least had the liberty of owning things if they themselves were not owned so that's a pretty dark start to the (laughs) section already (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> During the colonial American era, single women had some rights, but usually it was because there was no like father or brother or uncle or you know there was no. Is there a man to help you talk about this business? And she'd be like, No. Be like, I guess I'll talk to a girl I then. Yes. You'll do. You'll you know. Do. So.
2: Well, it's not much different today. A long <laughs> really? time. I mean, <laughs> we've often realized like someone will be asking. Ask, like we'll meet somebody. We'll be asking a question, and they'll just look at Lauren. Yeah, yeah. You know, look to, or when it comes to the check or the bill, you know, just hand yeah. it to the mail or
0: hardware store.
2: Yeah, or like you know, if they're like, oh, you're a vegetarian, they're like, oh, well, you must be a vegetarian too. Yeah, it's like, it's
0: like wait a minute, why? Just like well, a well the man saneness. makes the decision, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking crazy stuff. Um,
2: it still happens. Basically, it's just yes. a little more subtle.
0: Yeah, it is. It is, uh, well, it is. And, and I think that's the thing that's so insidious about it is that people were like, Feminism doesn't exist because it's so subtle now. You know, like, the, the, it's
1: like saying racism, is, racism doesn't exist because it's so subtle now. Yeah, and but it's like, like No, they just, not. they've
0: just learned to like camouflage it with yeah. words, you know? This is semantic. <laughs>
2: no, no, no. Yes. Yeah, it's either subtle or you just don't notice it because you're so, like, immersed in the culture.
0: Yeah, for okay. sure. So, you know, along with, you know, having their own businesses and stuff, uh, single women also had legal rights to live live where they pleased. They could have jobs that paid them. They could keep their money. They could, pardon me, they could enter into contracts and own real estate and personal property. And obviously, a lot of women married, and when they married, their rights to those things would be given over to their husband. So it's pretty apparent why women would choose to be, you know, stay single, I think, right? Like, they get to own their own shit and make their own decisions. That sounds pretty fucking sweet to me.
1: I mean, I'd say, single. Yeah.
0: Sound, I mean, it sounds like a big struggle. Herbie, could you not growl?
1: You feel a type of way Thank about the single ladies. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a struggle, I right know.
0: Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, so they don't have to obey commands of other people or anything. Like it sounds like, a, again, a really rad, fucking, fucking life because you don't have to worry about anything. Um, from an article of the Canadian Broadcast uh, from the Canadian Broadcast Corporation entitled "From Yesterday's Spinster to, the, to Today's crab, Crazy Cat Lady," rather, has anything really changed? Uh, women, uh, women who chose not to become married. We're called spinsters, old maids, surplus women, and crones. End quote. Surplus women is such a surplus women is such a good good term for that. It's also really fucked up. Hold on, we'll pause the recording, Herbie. So we're back. Herbie was bitching about being hungry, so we fed him, and uh, we were talking about surplus women just a moment ago, which is very funny. Um, because again, this is a, an article from yesterday's spinster to, to today's crazy cat lady, has anything really changed? And uh, we're going to continue the quote from that here. Um, While there have been a few uh, more positive names such as The Bachelor Girl and Thoroughly Modern Millie, the depictions of unmarried women have been overwhelmingly negative. Being an unmarried woman often also meant living in a lower status in society, end quote. So. <clears throat> It sucks because you're typically more poor, but also being single meant that women could achieve things that they... God damn it. That they couldn't otherwise... (laughs) Besides, even if early colonial women wanted promiscuity, it was incredibly difficult because the early New England colonies were a bit fascistic in their ways of viewing sex. If a single woman wanted to have sex or masturbate, they had to do so discreetly. You wouldn't want to have to answer to a sexual Gestapo practically knocking at your door. Quote, church courts had the authority to prescribe lashings public stockings stockings and in some cases execution for such members of the community who violated laws against masturbation premarital sex and bestiality clergy were quick to emphasize the chastity of women and warn the dangers of sensual lusts wantonness and impurity boldness and rudeness in look word or gesture end it's so pretty cool <laughs> this fucking sucks honestly
1: <laughs> Were any men prosecuted for premarital sex? Uh,
0: I mean it was You probably had to have done something Really fucking bad In order to be to be prosecuted for that Like
1: So this law just stands for women
0: Mostly yeah Well and that's why I'm saying like, uh, I feel like men did get prosecuted for it But it probably wasn't nearly as much as women You know because Women are full of sin uh, So we're going to continue from that quote Uh, Settlers representing civilization compensated for the sodomized chaos they perceived around them by creating excess of order based on an ideal of extreme social cohesiveness and the practice of close surveillance of personal morality. (laughs) So they did like a 1984 where like, you know, they did a New World Order where they're like, if you're coming, we better know about it and it better be in your wife. Like that was kind of what they they thought about it. It's cool. How do you guys feel about that? I just don't even
2: know where to start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much.
0: And again, that last line, close surveillance of personal morality is fucking terrifying. Yes,
1: the shock has me in a bit of, you know, a, a frozen state of yeah. being able to you feel express.
0: Like, yeah, you feel like a deer in the headlights where you're like, oh, what do this I see? Is
1: Uh,
2: Just the thought that your actions are, like, if they're not hurting anybody else, that they're, like, moral or not, Mm. is, like, yeah, for someone else to decide that.
0: Yeah, and it gets worse, because later we're going to talk about the moral squad police.
2: Moral squad police.
0: (laughs) It's pretty good. Um... Now, it may surprise some listeners to know um, that women are actually sexual beings. Um, so despite what the church and ignorant men may think...
1: <clears throat> surprise!
0: Women like to fuck. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> and guys, you may know this here, but I feel like audience members may not know this. Um, this isn't like a new development either. Women have wanted to fuck for a long time. Um, which is why the church and the colony decided to reprimand and punish pe- people, not just women. But men, for fucking without a fuck license. <laughs> <laughs> well
2: let me guess Women... fornication under consent of the king. <laughs> <laughs> Women couldn't get one though.
0: Well, you can get a fuck license.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, here, here. Well okay. uh, let me read this next quote. You can tell me what you think of fuck license is. <laughs> As part of the Plymouth Colony codification of laws in sixteen thirty six, quote Fornic- fornication before contract or marriage was a criminal offense. In 1645, the law was updated for clarification. Every person who committed fornication before or without lawful contract was to be imprisoned for up to three days and either whipped or fined ten pounds.
1: So again, so again, are women the only ones being uh, prosecuted for this offense, or do men equally get prosecuted for
0: I this? Mean, offense? I imagine it's mostly women, but right. it probably also goes both ways. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say, too it's too too too. probably like 21% men and like 79% women.
1: Rough.
0: Yeah. And th- those are numbers that are coming from speculation, I don't know that as a yes. fact, but that's what I would guess. But again, like, yeah, fuck licenses, isn't that cool? That's what marriages were, fuck licenses for women. Oh, now you can bang. Cool. Cool. Women who became financially affluent were few and far between. Those that were lucky and hardworking enough to be able to support their children by themselves were still called spinsters. As As for those that weren't uh, able to support themselves, sometimes there wasn't like a super, there wasn't like a super good social safety net. You know, Uh it's a long time ago. Um, But if there was a social safety net, it was most likely run by the church. Uh, Fallen women was a term used to describe women who had lost their virginity. Some of these fallen women did it because they were horny, some did it to become sex workers provide for themselves, Uh, but as many women already know, sexual assault is also just like a constant threat, and it was no different back in the day. Many, many women throughout history became the victims of rape, and in some of those cases a child was produced. Now, you're poor, you're pregnant, and you may have gone through the worst experience of your life. Where do you go? In Ireland, you went to the church, The Magdalene Laundries were institutions that were operated from the 1700s to as late as 1996. These places were where young women could go to be protected and reformed, except not really. Essentially, fallen women were taken um, as a way to reform them. Some of these fallen women were sex workers, pregnant girls, some were just virgin women whose neighbors or parents or whatever thought that they were prostitutes. Someone were just sent there because they were too fucking pretty uh one girl uh who had stolen a couple of apples from an orchard was sentenced to these reform schools now it did little to reform or reduce the numbers of sex workers actually on the street but what it did was create an institution of free labor
1: mm-hmm.
0: pretty cool mother and baby homes was another term they used for these magdalene laundries however babies and mothers were basically immediately separated um, most of them to never see each other again. These laundries, ran by the Catholic church, expanded and expanded, requiring more and more women to work them. Once inside, you became nearly indentured. Most of the time you were paid food and board, with some women occasionally earning pocket money. The church was actively making money off the labor of these women, and it behooved them to incentivize the fallen women through beatings, whippings, lashings, paddles. Basically, if you think a nun, a nun could do it, they did it. Yeah. And uh, one of these places was found in Tuam County, Galway, Ireland. Uh, The mother and baby home was closed in 1961, demolished in 1972 to make way for housing. Three years later, two boys were playing in the area and found a, quote, concrete structure near the old home. Uh, And there's different reports for what happened next, because in some reports, one of the kids or both of them fell into the concrete structure. Um, some reports are that they opened it and discovered this thing. It doesn't really matter because the point is they found a tank full of skeletons. Um, and we don't have time to get into all the nitty-gritty details of what happened, but the Catholic Church basically had been putting, like, women who they had beaten to death and dead children into this tank to hide the bodies. You know, it was a way to hide their crimes, so. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. You know, and you know the famously worried about babies catholic church just kind of stuffed t- a tank full of <laughs> I don't know I, I feel like it's a pretty important note to <laughs>
1: pretty important
0: there have many, been many many abuses of, of stories of abuse from these places over the years um, mm. but we're not going to talk about too much more of them um, mm. because like essentially long story short the Magdalene laundries and Mother's Day, uh, Mother and Baby Homes had been, uh, they'd been kind of taking in and separating uh, babies and mothers, and uh, you know again they consistently died some from blunt force traumas, and again many of these women weren't actually doing anything wrong. Uh, women could be sent away for uh, things like quote, appearing flirtatious, which could be literally anything, or being too good looking. From the Irish newspaper, uh, the Irish Times newspaper article entitled "Too Brit- Too Pretty to Be Allowed Out." In that article, they discuss v- Phyllis Valentine, who was, quote, condemned to eight years in the Magdalen home because she was a, a, a pretty as a picture, and the nuns feared she might fall away, become pregnant, and give them yet another mouth to feed. It was a case of prevention rather than cure, and Phyllis was incarcerated to the Galway Magdalen Asylum so as not to be a temptation to men. The moment she entered the asylum, her long, shiny hair, her pride and joy was shorn, end quote. this is the 1800s or 1900s guys i did they didn't have an exact date on this but this isn't like we aren't back in like colonial times anymore this is like
1: we're a couple ancestors removed from this being our reality yeah
0: i mean our one of our grandparents easily could have gone into some of these so it's fucking crazy. and this is just like another thing like if you're too pretty sometimes you get treated like shit too like women literally can't win
2: Damn,
0: damn, (laughs) It's (laughs) it's so crazy
2: Or if you're not pretty enough, yeah, it was the other side of that too. Yeah,
0: it's fucking insane, and so we don't we don't really have a time to to. Talk about all of the Magdalene laundry stuff. There's a yes. shitload of it. If it you guys, is
1: fascinating. Yeah, you could find what so much is fascinating. It's
0: so much fucking shit. Um, but the reason I bring it up is to highlight the oppression that women have suffered because of religion, and that that oppression kind of still goes on today. Like, remember yep. the reason like this woman is too pretty is because this nun believes that men are so afflicted with their penises that they cannot be around a pretty woman without you know wanting to have sex with her and so naturally rather than teaching men about how to keep it in their fucking pants we should just throw this woman in prison
2: yeah it's obviously her fault
0: it's obviously her fault we're
1: the sinners
0: it's fucking crazy and we're gonna take a little break and when we do or when we come back, rather, uh, we're we've talked a little bit about oppression, so I want to talk about some progress and kind mm-hmm. of like put a little wind in our sails, make it give us some feel good here at the end of the
1: episode. We'll take a
0: pep in our step. Pep in
1: our step, baby. Yes.
0: And we're back. We've been talking a little bit about oppression. Before we we move on to progress, how are you guys feeling? You guys know any of this stuff? Is it shocking to learn?
2: Hopeful because it seems like it can't get any worse than this.
0: We'll see with our Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah,
1: on the topic of knowing these things, is this is this a part of our history that we're taught in our common, you know, public school system? Absolutely not.
0: No, we're like women's do the suffrage one time. And one now time. they can vote.
1: Eleanor Roosevelt. Yada, yada, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? So.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. I think that even being a woman myself, you know, Mm -hmm. I've known about a lot of these things, but it's not really honed in on how pervasive it is. Yeah. Um, The
1: knowledge is on a cellular level, which we've experienced this in a past life. Perhaps the ins and outs of the factual information might be removed of our consciousness, but... uh,
0: It feels kind of like background noise to me. So when I was digging into this, I was I was shocked by a lot of this. Because I, I just, as you guys were saying, like, it's always bubbled in the back of my consciousness. But I never, like, knew anything about it.
2: Yeah. Well, we talk about women's suffrage, right? And we hear about the good things. At this date, women could do this thing. Yeah. But we don't talk about, as often, what they couldn't do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the depth of that. Yeah. The depth. You know? Yeah. So
0: really pretty shit and for me like it puts things into perspective like you know because as a young man uh, growing up during the internet days you, I did see a lot of stuff that was like feminism is a disease and, and I was always like I don't agree with that but like I don't know what they're talking about necessarily maybe there is a, po- a point at which you cross a threshold and it becomes something wholly unbearable you know and, and I still don't know that there is I think that there's certainly hot takes and and people say dumb shit all the time. But as a whole, I think feminism is kind of like... When you look at this stuff, you see why it was such a necessary thing. And kind of why it emerged. And I think, yeah, and I think the whole feminism <clears throat> is a disease take that people have. Now I'm like ready to discuss that. And be like, you are wrong. And here is exactly why. Because yeah. it, it is yeah, something often overlooked. And again, like just background noise. It's really... And good.
1: Yeah.
0: So again, we've talked about oppression. Let's get a little bit of progress. Let's you know raise our, our spirits just a little bit. Uh, in 1809, uh, Connecticut passed a law that allowed women to write their own wills. Oh. There you guys go. Oh progress.
1: Gosh, got a few things, and pretty, you know, might want to pass it down pretty. to somebody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that actually is a good point that I did not consider. Was that like, yeah, if you have a male heir and are a single woman, like... The ability to write a will, that's a pretty cool and new thing, you know. I don't know, never thought about that. Uh, in the United States, the Married Women's Property Act, which is different than what it sounds like, um, would start in 1839. Now, I say it would start because there was quite a lot of arguing over the subject, and essentially it allowed married women to have property that was separate from their husbands. It wasn't that women were property, so okay. there's a distinction. Um, you know, again, it kind of it started in 1839, um, and it there was a lot of arguing over it, and this would eventually come from the fact that according to uh, Encyclop- Encyclopedia Britannica, quote, men sometimes could be away from home for months or years at a time. A married woman's ability to maintain a household pivoted upon her freedom to execute contracts. Mm. So this is like the slaveholding times, and if your husband's off fighting, and I don't know, the Mexican-American War, killing any of the va- various Native American tribes. Um, he can't conduct, you know, the selling of slaves and harvesting of crops, and so he needs somebody to do that. And so, you know, 1839, women's progress. You know, a woman gets to gets the right to choose, to, to a business. Um, so these the, these are the like the again the slavery plantation era times where people went off to die. And the long and short of it was that since they were out herding cattle and shit, women needed to conduct their businesses. Uh, And then in 1839, surprisingly, Mississippi was the first state to begin adopting such laws that were meant to begin, quote, overriding the disabilities associated with coverture. They established the rights of women to enjoy the profits of their labor, to control real and personal property, to be parties to lawsuits and contracts, and to execute wills on their own behalf, end quote. So, you know, we're starting to see the 1800s. Pretty woke. Pretty woke era for women in the 1800s. (laughs) Um, But all of that didn't come without resistance, uh, with some legislative bodies pushing back so hard that they even tried to declare that women didn't have souls.
1: And just to back this up, who is the day on this? <laughs> I'm going to get to that in just a oh, second. <laughs> God damn, I'm just... Yeah. From the book...
0: Jack, no yelling while we're podcasting. You know that. We've talked about this. We've talked about this. Um, from the book Timelines of American Women's History, and uh, a part covering 1849, quote, When the Tennessee legislator declared that women, uh, married women lack independent souls and thus should not be allowed to own property, Feminist intemperance reformer Amelia Jenks Bloomer takes them to task in her journal, Lily. If women have no souls, she concludes, then they are free from obeying any laws.
1: Ooh, hot damn, girl! <laughs> That's what's up. It's so Didn't see that awesome. one
0: coming. It's my favorite thing about... But this was the the thing that I was most excited about during yes. this episode. Don't give us a pen. It's fucking amazing. I love it so much. <laughs> um, so again, it's pretty cool that uh, Amelia Jenks Bloomer is like... If we don't have souls, we don't have to obey laws. It's a pretty, pretty fucking rad thing she says in her journal. And we're actually going to talk a little bit more about her in our next episode. Um, and still, gradual p- pushes were made for women to become independent. And as the decades passed, women were allotted little bits of rights. As a treat. Um, although there was actually like staunch resistance to this, this whole time. Each state between the 1840s and 1900s modified the coverture laws um and and it, they slowly begin chipping away at it so it was more of a process than like a day of it. um in 1869 susan b anthony who i wrongly thought was a flag maker um and elizabeth Cady stanton founded the national women's suffrage movement there was as mentioned resistance to the suffrage movement even former podcast topic labor agitator and badass woman mother jones was against women getting the right to vote Although she was kind of a weird feminist in her own, right? A quick note from Mother Jones. uh, uh, Quote, rather, from Mother Jones. Quote, No matter the fight, don't be ladylike. God Almighty made women, and the Rockefeller Gang of Thieves made the ladies. Uh, And that was kind of her way of associating, like, working class women. Like, essentially, like, if you were fancy, you had to do with, like, the law and that made you a lady versus like a woman was just a person who was who worked you know so it's got this weird kind of like I don't know she doesn't it's hard to explain really her position because she's essentially saying if you're a rich woman who worries about being ladylike then you're just a rich person you're not a real woman and those who were like the women at the time were like the wealthy and literate women who wanted to do like these these like the right to vote and stuff like that and women like mother jones are like that's bullshit even though she was right about like striking and labor unions and stuff um and so like i'm a big fan of Mother jones but i'm not an apologist for you know because she you know she 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 i don't she didn't believe in the right for women to get to vote um, but it may have made sense to her due to the fact it's out, I think, gets outlined right here. Um, mm. Quote, I have never had a vote and I have raised hell all over this country. You don't need a vote to raise hell. You need convictions and a voice. <laughs> End quote. <laughs>
1: mm. So She
2: felt
1: like she could accomplish what she wanted to without having a vote.
0: Yeah.
2: She has a point. Because she, that yeah, does sure happen. She, it does.
0: Yeah. And she's not, like, wrong in the sense that, like, you can raise hell without having a vote, but she is very wrong about women needing, you know, the right to vote. So I don't know. She's a complicated woman, um, and I don't know. I think she just kind of she she thinks that bureaucratic bullshit is all bureaucratic bullshit, mm-hmm. and you know, if it's laws or contracts or you know, voting to her is the same way. It's all bullshit. Um, and moving on. Uh, it wasn't until 1882 that the uk enabled the married women's property act of 1882 which gave women the right to legally own and control something outside of their husband's supervision so you yeah. know the uk is following shortly behind the united states it's pretty cool on october 16th margaret sanger uh, had opened the first abortion clinic in the united states and 10 days later it was raided by police this was due to the, the comstock laws which were laws created by anthony comstock a weird prude that criminalized And this is like air quotes here obscene materials um he was uh he quote was a misogynist racist homophobic anti-vice crusader he was obsessed with sex or rather he was obsessed with controlling everyone else's sexual behavior end quote And ostensibly the comstock laws were to be used to uh kind of keep sweet sweet mutt out of the hands of you know just people usually children Um, however the obscenity Kind of, the definition of that spilled over into contraceptives, which is where Margaret Sanger came in. She was arrested arrested for distributing lewd materials. These materials were more or less just information about women's sexual health and medical options that were available to them. According to PBS, quote, The case that grew out of her arrest resulted in the 1918 Crane decision, which allowed women to use birth control for therapeutic purposes, end quote. Mm. So that's cool. We've got a dickhead, Mr. Comstock, who arrests Margaret Sanger, and after it all works out, it's like, actually, we think women can't have access to medicine that's specifically for them. Pertaining to us. Yeah. We, you know. So it's cool. we got to win. End of the episode. Wait, what's this? More? Um, from the Comstock laws, we got laws against indecency, which were enforced by the morality squads. Remember how I mentioned those earlier? <laughs> 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 they were meant to monitor gambling, drinking, and prostitution. In the 19-teens, Margaret Hennessy, the wife of a standard oil foreman, was arrested in Sacramento, California. So she's kind of a, not super wealthy, but she's a little bit of a well-to-do woman, you know. Okay. Um, she had been recovering uh, recovering from an illness and had decided to travel to from Richmond to Sacramento to go to the meat market with her sister. Which is like, you're feeling... It, this is definitely some of the times because you're Back feeling... Back
1: day, from Richmond to Sacramento to hit the meat market, can I just say... Dude, yeah. And that's sh- a journey.
0: It's fucking... It, and I think it's really weird, too, just because she's like, Well, I'm starting to feel better. You know what would help me a lot? The fresh air market. Uh, like, the fresh dead meat market. It's like, hey, okay, she's has to you know, She had other things going on, obviously. Um,
1: Perhaps the four-hour journey there and... Back, you know? Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> she got stoned on the way there. She's like, fuck. Right. Um, as they entered the meat market, they were stopped and arrested by the Morals Squad, which is a dumb name, for being uh, suspicious characters. So just let's read. Two women riding alone. Just
1: two you yeah. know. I
0: think at this point, it's they were suspicious. just. I think at this point, they were almost to the meat market. We're just kind of two women walking. Like, not even alone. They were just two women walking, not doing anything. Uh, so again, this is from history.com. Quote. Mrs. Hennessy tried to explain who she was and what she was doing in Sacramento. She offered to show the officers' ident- identification. She told the officers her six-year-old son was attending school at, in a local convent and that, that if they arrested her, someone would have to take care for him, uh, rather to care for him. The officers, Hen- Hennessy later told the press, paid no heed, but took my sister and I to the hospital. The moral squad delivered Hennessy and Bradidage to the Canary Cottage as the city's isolation hospital was known. There, a doctor probed and prodded the two women's genitalia, examining them for uh, sexually transmitted infections. Mm. At the hospital, I was forced to submit to an examination just as if I was one of the most degraded women in the world. I want to say that I've never been so humiliated in my life, Mrs. Hennessy told the local newspaper." Mm. End quote. So, moral squad. They're really keeping a, a tight lock on Vice, and they're like, those women are pretty.
1: We should you know? check their. We should check their. Yeah, that's just awesome. And you
0: know, we can trust men to do that job without any problems too. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like we need.
1: Bless Miss Tennessee for her. Yeah. Experience in that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tennessee would end up as one of, depending upon what you read, she could be like fifteen thousand five hundred twenty women. Some numbers say three thousand or thirty thousand women. Another said it could be up to hundreds of thousands of women. So I don't really know, but literally thousands of women. Uh, had to be subjected to such scrutiny. Mm. Um, and essentially, the chamberlain Khan Act, uh, this is like a new thing that they were putting in place, I think, in 1918. Um, it was also called the American Plan, and it was a plan to keep soldiers healthy enough for battle in World War One. So this was actually like the 1910s, 1911. And uh, in order that those... Soldiers may stay healthy. They need to stop getting gonorrhea and syphilis and fucking shit like that. Like, we've got all these good soldiers, but they can't be pissing the blood out on the battlefield. What do we do about it, huh? And so what they do is they just... I mean, first of all, it's awesome but they're like, well, these guys' dicks are pretty important, so we should take care of that. Dicks need priority. Dicks need priority, but not once are they like, we should probably also look at chicks, too, and not force them into it. That's what Mrs. Hennessy went through. It's like forced medical treatment. It's like, just give them treatment. You don't have to do that, you know? <laughs> anyway. Um, so anyway, the soldiers would acri- acquire those diseases from sex workers or promiscuous women. So the American plan arrested women with no due process and in complete violation of their constitutional rights. They would take these women off the streets into, and there's not really another way to, to, to phrase this. They would take them into like little, oh, like almost concentration camps for for sex workers, and some weren't even like sex workers. Some were just Mrs. H- Mrs. Hennessey was just walking down the street. Um, and so this is uh, from an article in The New Republic entitled "The Forgotten War on Women." Quote: mm-hmm. If a woman was found to be sick, she was sent to a detention hospital or a jail until she was deemed cured or reformed. Some of those who tested negative for disease were incarcerated anyway because their alleged promiscuity was deemed a threat to soldiers' moral hygiene. Uh, a disproportionate number of those arrested were women of color and working-class women. Black women were often kept segregated from white women and jailed in subpar facilities. And along other, alongside other women of color were subject to the racist violence in addition to sexual assaults. Some were sterilized against their wills or without their knowledge." End quote. Which is pretty bleak, you know uh, but I think it's helpful to look at it another way because like they the pussy Gestapo would arrest people and like with heavy air quotes, you know provide you know reproductive health care access. In some cases they would also sterilize the, these women and this all fit under like the moral squad taking them in for just being sinful. It's like in our society our society had deemed it fit to just give them forced health care rather than give them health care at all. And that's truly what I think is kind of a... It's fucking evil. Even if know? they
2: didn't need it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Even if they didn't need it. So. Yay. Moral squad. And honestly, there's moral squads going on and I think um, Iran or Iran. There, there's been like some other place that has a moral squad going on right now. So I think it is Iraq. Yeah. And it still exists in, in Iraq or Iran. I think it's actually Iran. It's like women are, women are showing uh, that they're doing a form of protest by just taking their, uh, their their head cover off and walking around like that. So, it's still going on. Yeah,
2: in the Middle East in general. That's still pretty yeah. pervasive.
0: Yeah, and so again, since some of this has been pretty horrible, let's uh, end the episode with something a little nicer. Mm. Let's look at cool things in the progressive Yay. kind of category of this. A few years later, in August of 1920, women were finally allowed the right to vote. So it's fucking cool
1: just you know 103
0: years ago yeah uh uh, 40 years later in 1960 the FDA approved the first commercial birth control pill allowing women to take the reins of when and if they wanted children three years later Kennedy signed the Equal Pay Act prohibiting sex-based wage discrimination between men and women performing the same job in the same workplace um and this though legally still in place has not actually remediated the gender gap but yeah. it is kind of a it's like it's a very typical democrat thing where like we're gonna we're gonna do a symbolic form of that not that exact thing
1: this yeah. like a 60 cent to the dollar turning into an 80 cent on the dollar yeah exactly
0: where yeah. they're like dude we'll make things better it's not gonna be what you want a by speech. any means yeah, yeah. <laughs> again you can have some rights as a treat <laughs> a little bit of rights Um, uh, The year after uh, Roe v. Wade was entered into law, during the 80s and 90s, women were assigned to various governmental seats like Sandra Day O'Connor entering the U.S. Supreme Court, Sally Ride became the first woman into space, Janet Reno became the first female general attorney, Mm. and Nancy Pelosi becomes the first speaker of the House. So things are doing sort of okay when we're talking only about employment and women in government. I mean... Again, it's not good, but it's good that women are being voted in there. One...
1: Yeah. At a time. Yeah. For, you know.
0: And if we were true Democrats about this, we'd just pat ourselves on the back and be like, "We did it, guys! Equality for all!" Ooh. Look at look at our Until success. Until
1: we got half the house. Um, in
0: 2013, so we got some some recent news. Uh, the U.S. allowed women to serve in combat positions. <laughs> and in 2016, Hillary Clinton became. Quote, first woman to receive the presidential nomination from a major political party. During a speech at the National uh, Democratic National Convention, she says, standing here is my mother's daughter and my daughter's mother. I'm so happy this day has come, end quote. So I've got a nice little bow on this, bow on it. However, do you guys remember earlier when I talked about Timothy 2 and 212? Quote, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. She is to remain quiet. Well, in episode two, guys, episode two of the War on Women, we're going to take a look at just like one example of the regressive ideas that are still attempting to shackle women back into these eras that we've discussed today. Because there is a lot of shit to discuss, even today. Um, We're also going to take a deeper look at at smoking. We're going to take a look at pants. And uh, a woman who's, you know, hell bent on getting, getting women back to their, you know, again, air quotes proper place in the kitchen um you know making dinner and babies and stuff and so that's been uh, that's episode one of the war on women how do you guys feel
2: not as hopeful not as hopeful
1: <laughs> uh, just feeling if anything gratitude for you opening up this conversation yeah
0: it's a bummer but I, again my reasoning for looking into this is just curiosity like was it so bad that feminism needed to be thing? It's like pretty clear that like something needed to be done. And yeah, I'm excited for our next episode because we get to see some of the more ridiculous um, things that women have wanted to do and the way society acted like, if women are allowed to do X, the society will collapse. First, it's the women, then there's no babies. And then who's gonna run the meat market and the electricity plant? Boom! Before you know it, communism or apocalypse. And it, it's just like it's so fucking weird. Every so, so we're
1: the bees of the human species. Yeah. Fuck with us, we'll collapse your entire system. It
0: really is. It's just such a fun and dumb thing. And I well, thank you
1: for respect in that regard. If yeah, you can just you. sprinkle it a little over, in other places that would be generous. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, do you guys have any further thoughts before we close this bitch up?
1: Whew. Seems like a... I mean, just digesting the thoughts right here, you know? This is a truly... Really fun. heavy,
0: a heavy, uh... It's a heavy-ass a, hev-
1: a heavy hand that's been dealt. Yeah.
0: All right, well, do you guys have any things you would like to plug? Any art or things you do online? Things you like to watch online? TV shows? media you know all this you want people to find you online that sounds like a resounding no
1: I like to promote no TV I like to promote being completely detached from most things that are you know
0: detached from from why not here we are yeah listeners take a break you've just listened to a a really heavy podcast episode take a break dog play a
1: game of gin rummy
0: you know go walk through uh, trees I'm sure there are trees within a mile of where you're Drink some water yeah drink some water you know, all these are good things. Go do some self-love, listeners.
1: Love yourself.
0: Love yourself. Beautiful. Okay, well, I guess, listener, you already know that you can find us on Facebook. We got a Patreon if you want to donate to our shit. I don't know. That's the end of my plugs. For, so, thank you for listening. We will talk at you guys soon. Chica chica.